What's up, everyone? You are listening to the Steal Like a Filmmaker podcast featuring Kyle Harries and Stephen Buna, where we talk all things filmmaking and video production. Each week, we speak with select industry guests to educate, entertain, and inspire the current and future generation of filmmakers. Without further ado, we hope you enjoy the show. All right, what's going on, everybody? And welcome to what will hopefully be the first episode of many. My name is Kyle Harries, and this is my co-host, Stephen Buno. Steve, why don't you give everybody a quick introduction on how we met each other in the first place and why we're doing this show? So uh, thanks, Kyle. We met at a previous company that uh, we worked together with uh, and at for a few for a little bit. And while there, we sparked a uh, friendship and a, you know a rapport with one another that ended up bonding and creating companies together and relationship and groups of companies coming together and bonding to create what we now come together as a, as, as a whole, as one. And then we, you know, sparked the interest of bringing and coming together to create a podcast that would allow uh, industries, professionals, as well as others, you from clientele and so forth to discuss the mediums and, and, and of their medium, as well as how we're addressing their needs from a client standpoint. Yeah. I mean, you know, one of the, the coolest parts about the fact that we are jumping into this is, as you mentioned, kind of the the friendship that we built in a very short amount of time. Um, I'd, I'd like to say that both of us are pretty passionate people. So <laughs> once we yeah. initially, uh, you know, got to know each other, it was pretty quick that we both realized that we, we were looking at things and looking at the industry in different ways, but uh, with a very similar sort of sense of fire beneath us to actually ultimately be able to do this type of work and deliver the type of results that we care to deliver for the clients that we work with. Um, So kind of starting at that point, Steve, I think we should give everybody a quick background on both of us, at which point I'd like to start with yours so that we can kind of jump into it because you've got a very eclectic background, but I'd love to hear a little bit about, you know, an introduction to how you've ended up here. You've got years and years and years of experience well beyond what I have. Um, and just a little bit about kind of your personality and what makes you do this work in the first place. So, uh, you know, I have a vast set of skills. I like to say typically more than I am a professional by any means. Um, I feel like ultimately I'm not necessarily an expert in any particular area. Um, my expertise per se, if you want to use a choice of words, um, lends to many areas and it allows me to envision things differently than most. So I've been in the production for going on about 16 years, 15 to 16 years, uh, from being in college and and so forth and beyond worked on several sci-fi films, indie films, B-rated films, however you want to refer to them. And that's what ended up sparking that, uh, you know, the initial fire was sparked way, way back in my childhood to want to be in some form of the the industry in, any, in, in one type of caliber to another. And then once I started getting in the indie film and got that first gig, which honestly I thought was going to be an absolute disaster, but turned into something, you know, lucrative for me because it had just come, came to become a dominoing effect from there. Uh, project after project, client after client that kind of just fed into what my desire was to create and design and develop. And from there, I was able to build trades and skills that don't necessarily tailor to, we'll say, the film industry or the media industry in the sense of, you know, being and having the background of 3D 
in animation and effects, which is what my degree was in, is for 3D animation and effects. It allowed me to utilize those skills, which is not uncommon with, we'll say, other personnel and people within the industry to go from film to, say, design, build, architecture, because your skill sets lend to both. So if the skill, if the industry is slow and you're having a hard time getting a gig or a job within the industry for whatever reason, because of the you know demand is down or whatever, that allows them to still be able to feed into another industry because they have the skills to be able to feed it. Which is one reason that kind of pushed me into doing that as well is my demand and need to be able to continue to maintain a house over my head and support my lifestyle was to jump into that avenue to say, okay, I can do this as well. Having a background of my brother being a licensed architect in nearly 50 states, that lend to that as well. Uh, so ultimately, here I am now, who've worked in both, both industries pretty heavily and at the same time. So talk about going between like After Effects and we'll say Final Cut or DaVinci or any of those software together. You know, yeah, there's that happy medium, set my key hotkeys to be the same as like another software. But when you're jumping from like a 3D to a visual effects to cutting a scene to working in you know, like CAD or doing something like that, you're ready to like, your brain's ready to pop. <laughs> so, uh, so you can't make them all blend together. But that's one thing I, I feel like I have a skill for is I can jump back and forth pretty easily. Um, there is that, you know, small little time of like, I need to refocus on what I'm trying to work on at that moment in time. But you know, there's a love for it. I love to create. I love to develop and design ideas, films, stories, and visionary masterpieces, however you want to refer to it. And um, it's kind of where I'm at nowadays. Uh, you know, I'm more of a producer nowadays. And I've been doing it for a couple of years now as more of a producer level, coming in, coaching team members, as well as other companies to get them to the next level or even guide them from a studio side to a design side to equipment side. And it allows me to just kind of tailor my skills from over the industry and multiple industries, because I am ultimately seeing it differently than most. And you know, I do think outside the box than most, not that everyone does, but thinking outside of that and having that different gamut and mindset allows me to say, okay, you could do it this way, but there's other ways of doing and achieving that same look, feel, appeal with whatever over here so that lends a lot which is nice and um you know and then going back to my childhood go way far back i've always been into the arts and that's kind of been you know where i thrive the most i like creating stuff so like i've said and that literally was in, you know bled into me as a it's almost like a gene Ultimately, you know, my dad's an engineer, my other brother's an engineer. Like, like I said, my dad or my bro other brother was an architect or is an architect. Uh, my mother, um, you know, very artsy in her own, her own right. So it definitely was in us to fall on that somewhere in the arts to some form. And it's a medium regardless of how you want to see it. Everything is an art form. You know, AI can be referred to as an art form. So we're, we're all within this, this, this gamut. And this is why I'm here today. And this is why we're here together together is because we love what we do. We have that great passion. And I just honestly just, this is what I do. I, I, I breathe it each and every day, sometimes even when I'm asleep, um, which is kind of crazy. Uh, for me, I'll tell you this right now, I'll help anybody under the sun. I think Kyle, you can vouch for that as well. I have a hard passion and desire to make sure that 
even if I'm helping you on a small level or a large scale, if I can be your backbone, which will go into why I've rebranded the company that I have to Silverback is we're your backbone. We will support you. We will run through anything you need. Just, you know, tell everybody to step out of our way while we do it in the process. So we don't run over them if they're part of the team. <laughs> so, but our goal is to pretty much ultimately support you in the long run, however we possibly can. So to you, Kyle, I know you have a you know vast background as well and so forth. So I'll let you kind of discuss that a little bit as well. Yeah, well, um, first, I would like to point out that you're you're far too humble. And, you know, there's there's a lot of work that you have done. We don't need to jump into all of the, the brands and the names of the films and whatnot that you have worked on. But it's very clear. Um, and it was something that I picked up on immediately once we got to know each other is just that the the depth of knowledge in all those fields from the creative design side into the film production side into the animation side the blending of all of those things is a creative skill set that very few are able to um ultimately bring into one homogenous set of skills um so i mean from the the high level films and brands that you have worked with a lot of that, I think, has to come from the ability to bring all of those elements together and ultimately then utilize the the various compounding skills from each side to then be able to, to look at things in a different light, um, particularly from your ability to see a frame of a production that you're trying to, to create and take all of those skills from the creative design side and studio understanding to uh, ultimately then be able to understand lighting, understand composition, understand all of the elements that then go into the creation of that particular scene is something that is is a very unique skill set. Um, so I, I just wanted to make sure the audience knows that that's not understated, even though Steve is very humble. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so beyond that, yes, I will jump in quickly to, um, uh, my background, which is not nearly as expansive as Steve's. Uh, he's got a few years on me, which I like to give him hell about from time to time. Um, but, uh, so my background is actually uh, much more on the traditional sort of business and marketing side. I wasn't actually a very artistic kid like you were, Steve. I, I ultimately... I had a little bit of, of family creativity. My grandfather was a photographer in the army and that's where he spent the vast majority of his career. Um, and he, he ultimately opened up his own photo studio. We had cameras all around. I still have some of his cameras to this day. Um, and I actually use some of the lenses that were his still, uh, just for those creative effects. But it wasn't something that was necessarily thrust upon me. Like I was born into a family that's very traditional in terms of uh, you, you go to high school, you go to college, you get a corporate job, you work for 35 years, and then you retire, right? So that was kind of the the upbringing. And ultimately, that's a path that I I diverted from fairly early. I went to high school and then ultimately moved into a charter school because I was just, I was bored spending all my time in school. So that kind of uh, speaks to something that I'll dive into here in a minute. But 
ultimately I felt like I was wasting my time and I was ready to like work and make money at 15 years old. <laughs> and obviously the world uh, kind of kicked me around until I ultimately landed on my feet uh, doing that. But I then really found a bug for entrepreneurship in general. So it was always a dream of mine from when I was like 15 years old growing up seeing – and I was a skateboarder for a, a solid 10 years from 12 to 22. So that period of my life was heavily influenced by the entrepreneurial nature and the kind of rebel nature of that particular um, subculture, if you will. So there was a lot that I – I was inspired by and I saw a lot of people who kind of just made themselves from nothing within that community. So like entrepreneurship was very much part of that and art was a part of that because every skateboard had an artistic graphic on the bottom of it. There were stickers. There were always ways that you – and even frankly the way that you rode the skateboard was a bit of an art form due to the style in which you could do it. So very quickly I started understanding the creativity that went into that but I was still on this more traditional sort of business path. So I did end up going to – a four-year college uh, at Oregon State University where I graduated with a degree in merchandise management because at the time I had started a clothing brand to kind of fuel a little bit of that entrepreneurial passion of mine. Um, you know, one thing that will probably be a theme as we go through this show and, and have more guests on is that I believe in making your own opportunities. Um, and when you're a college student who wants to get work experience that's actually within the space that they want to go into, opportunities tend to be few and far between. There are a lucky few who might be able to find an internship and a way in at a company that they actually want to work for um, or find a, a part-time job as a designer for a small marketing company where you might be able to work on flyers and stuff like that. But getting tangible experience is something that was – it just did not fall into my lap. So I really wanted to create my own opportunities. So I started that clothing brand, completely bootstrapped it with some money that I made while working part-time through high school and early college, um, and got to experience, you know, running a business as a whole. I got to experience creativity as a business because I was ultimately creating all of the designs, sourcing the materials, uh, going through the inventory, shipping out every single one of the orders. So it was a unique experience in understanding how business and creativity as a whole mesh together, which I think is something that, you know, we'll touch on a lot as we go through having guests on this show is that, you know, it, creativity as a whole, turning that into a business kind of changes everything. I won't go down that rabbit hole right now, but that is something that I think will be a theme as we talk to more and more people and bring them on the show. Um, so from there, I ultimately graduated and wasn't making enough money from the clothing brand. So I went into a very <laughs> boring corporate path based on the degree that I got. I had a degree in merchandising management. I worked for Kroger, which is one of the largest retailers in the country. And I was on the sort of grocery and general merchandise side of that business. So my first job was actually the assistant buyer of insecticides, grills, paint, and I believe there is one other category that's escaping me at the moment, a very random collection of goods, managing it across 20 different banners that Kroger owns across the entire country. So it was a, a, a kind of a rude awakening having gone from that entrepreneurial side into, okay, now I got to be just a cog in this corporate wheel, which lasted for about a year and a half, safe to say that it wasn't the the thing that I wanted to do, but I needed to kind of get my my 
my shit together for lack of a better term so that I could, you know, have enough money to figure out where I wanted to go. Um, from there I went into marketing once again, but still on a more corporate path. I actually worked in the cannabis industry for a solid couple of years working for a company that made manufacturing equipment to make extracts, um, focused more on the pharmaceutical applications of the, the plant materials and turning it into, uh, compounds that were ultimately going to be patentable. So it was a very interesting, uh, space to be in in general because we had to be very creative in the way that we could advertise within that space. So marketing, you're not allowed to be on Google ads and talk about your uh, equipment that can be made into um, into cannabis oils. So it was a very highly regulated industry and it was unique experience. Um, but it was actually there that I got put back behind the camera again. And that was something that I had been severely lacking, having stopped the clothing brand and gone to a more corporate role, was that expression of creativity. And it, I finally started getting behind the camera again because I was in charge of all the marketing at that company. And that's where I actually started to shoot my first videos. You know, it, it was right around the beginning of COVID that I joined that company. Um, and during that time, I kind of fell down a rabbit hole of... Um, the the camera obsession, if you will, and I'm kind of a, a techie nerd. So learning about cameras during that time gave me something to like focus my energy on. And then I spent all of my money on it and I continue to spend all of my money on it. I think that's a story that a lot of people can relate to. Um, so it was a, a, a time where the stars kind of aligned for me to get back into not only just being behind the camera, but then that sparked the the idea that I want to do this all day, every day, not just as part of my role. Um, so I was with that company for a couple of years, built up my skills and started to build up a little bit of freelancing on the side and then moved into ultimately um, be starting my freelance career, uh, which I now coin as cage imaging, which we will dive into when we get into some of the later portions of the episode. But that's kind of how I ended up in this space, and I was absolutely obsessed with the the creative journey that has to do with creating videos in general and films, because to me, it's something that like isn't conquerable. Um, and Steve, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that um, and see if that inspired you in, in that way as well, because I'm a very obsessive person. When I find something that I enjoy, I want to be really, really good at it. And if I'm not good at it, it just like fuels me to become obsessed with it. So that was kind of how, uh, how I got to where I currently am. And that has everything to do with drone operation, camera operation, uh, video editing. I mean, anything under the sun that has to do with, with filmmaking, but, uh, it really kind of grabbed me. And then the, the, having the experience as an entrepreneur just made sense to kind of move into that path of doing it full time. Yeah, I, I'll reiterate to that one. Making a film is definitely taskful. There's so many action items that have to be addressed. There's a lot that goes into it. Uh, of course, with the new era of virtual production becoming very more dominant, it does make and take elements out. It doesn't eliminate them. It makes it easier. That's where the taking out that element comes into play. It just makes that element, that situation be a little bit easier and obtainable. But again, it is a very taskful situation. You're trying to create something that has to be visually appealing. Story has to be great if it requires a story. So there are silent films. I mean, you got to think, back in the day, there were no words in a film. 
It was just, you know, silent film type stuff, which even till this day, I feel like hold up greatly because the visuals is what was telling the story. And we're starting to see a little bit more of that growth more in the indie. Uh, I'm not seeing necessarily in the blockbuster type style films just yet, but there's a little bit more of that growth coming back, you know, that, that pushing. So, but I mean, it's, it's, it's hard. It's not easy. And there, and there's a lot of steps. There's a lot of people that you're dealing with all the way down. And I always try to iterate that when you're making a film, it isn't always about the production crews, the editors, the, you know, there's, there's salespeople behind this stuff. There's people making phone calls more often than you can imagine trying to make coordination with getting a site available even if it's you know shooting in a studio like getting all that lined up takes time paperwork you know approval letters signatures all that jazz but then there's also the time of when you're on set you have caterers like people don't get necessarily get recognized at all and they deserve the same recognition because they're there on that set just as damn near long as we all are which uh -huh. are which can be very long days they're not your typical nine to five, you get off work, you get to go to local beer pub, whatever you want to refer to it, and go get you a beer or a, you know, a nice shot or whatever, and your day's done. We're starting at bright and ass early in the morning, to be blunt, and then we might get home that night. I don't know. We might not go home because there might be shots we need to get achieved during the night. And this is all stuff that's also coordinated as much as possible. But there are going to be times when on a set, this is where the beast kind of bleeds. You're going to be on a set. There's going to be a shot that someone sees that was not necessarily part of the storyboard that gets added right then because they can see how that's going to be visually appealing and really impact the story and like what they're trying to tell. They're going to make sure that shot gets achieved at that point in time, regardless of how exhausted everybody is. But at the end of the day, when that film or that project or that project you're working on, no matter the scale, when it's done and it's released, that's when you get to sit back and relax and say, I did this. I was part of that. And that's where the payoff is in the grand scheme of things. It doesn't matter. There's a lot of lost time. We all experience it. Even in the corporate world, there is a lot of lost time. But it is, it's pretty tasteful from time to time. And it's not an easy process, but I will say that's one that I actually enjoy for some weird ironic reason, trying to make sure all of it comes together. So, yeah. And I think that that's the, the biggest thing that draws so many people to well, blanket term it filmmaking as a profession is just the, you really are creating something from nothing. And there are plenty of other mediums that you can use to create something from nothing. But I think there are few things in the world that can ultimately move people the way that a film, a video, a moving picture can, especially when you're adding in all these various elements. There's just something about it that is very human to experience because you're able to kind of put yourself into the shoes of whatever that particular artist or the the director of that film, what that vision was. And then all the pieces that go into executing that and bringing that to life is ultimately so rewarding once you get to the point where you get to see that final product and you get to see the impact that it starts to have on people. So uh, it's just something that before really doing it, I had no appreciation for everything that went into the, the, that final product. Every time I, I watched a movie, watched a TV show, watched a marketing video, a commercial, you name it. 
everything that goes into that is such a, a fascinating process. And that's kind of something that we hope to talk more about on this show is just the there's so much that goes into these these processes and whether, uh, you know, Steve and I can speak to it all day long when we're meeting with clients, the lack of understanding on that side is something that we'd like to kind of help bridge that gap a little bit because the everybody views video production as a whole and film production. They see these huge numbers that go into the creation of it and they don't appreciate just where like it, there are plenty of people who make a ton of money doing this. But it's not like being a lawyer in New York, right? Like you're not billing $1,000 an hour just to, you know, to read. There's so much that goes into it from a coordination perspective, pre-production through to post, that that final product is really and truly something that when it's done well, deserves all of that compensation. It's a rabbit hole we don't need to get (laughs) too far into on the the intro episode. We'll get into it on future episodes, I'm sure. Um, But... From here, Steve, I think we should jump into real quick just kind of what we're up to now because we both kind of alluded to it. Um, and I guess we can start by talking a little bit about uh, Silverback, which has had a couple names previously, as I understand it. So I'd love to hear kind of the progression of that into what is now Silverback and what you're you're able to do with that at the moment. Yeah, so I started off the company well back when I was actually in college. And you know, I always refer to it as like Buno's designs. It was real bland, really, really, in other words, terrible. Um, you know, it's that I'm going to make a name for myself kind of name. And it was absolutely horrendous and it was hard to even get work on it, to be honest. Uh, so when I, the first gig, like I mentioned, you know, I did a first project was with an indie film company out of North Carolina. I got that gig and I always refer to them as gigs. So sorry. Um, but I got that gig at a convention. I was literally at a convention speaking with this these people, discussing my skill set, what I had graduated with, and what my passion and love was. And the director and I had, and the owner of the company, we, we kind of hit off a little bit. So we discussed several times that weekend. And then the following week, we had multiple email chains that occurred. And that this is kind of the norm with even clients. You have to build a rapport. And I will say that a million times over. And I'm sure we will hit on it on a million times from here on out during these episodes. Building rapport with a client is the key to any project's completion. You have to be able to know what the, who the client is, their needs. So that's what I did. I built that rapport and, uh, you know, as Buno Designs, it started hitting off. I started getting projects from her. And then I started getting projects from another company that she was, you know, affiliated with. And then it was just constantly started dominoing effect. Did a little bit of work with Sci-Fi Channel. Did a little bit of Sci-Fi Originals. Uh, I will say, working in indie film, or what I refer to as B-rated film, was more lucrative to me than working on any big, big blockbuster type stuff. And, and when I mean lucrative, I don't mean the dollars. I mean how I felt when the completion of the project was done. How I felt internally. You may not see everything that's on Sci-Fi Channel as being the most brilliant piece of work. But it's a style. It's an art form. And a lot of times those styles are meant to be that way. There are some cheesy aspects to it. I mean, even Discovery's done, you know, like the mermaid episodes. <laughs> Talking about mermaids are real and you look at the special effects, you're like, wow, come on, Discovery. You should do better than that. But the grand scheme thing, it's meant to have that a little bit of like a cheesy appeal to it. Don't make it look so real because you, you also don't want to push that boundary. You make it look too real 
in topics of that type of discussion, then you're making it a little bit too close to home, if that makes sense. So to go on, you know, over the years, I started realizing I needed to probably redevelop names and, you know, the name changed multiple times over the years. The fast forward, I took a little bit of a break from, say, my company, uh, assisting other companies. Like I've said, I'm always here to help. So I jumped into multiple companies back and forth, assisting a production company over here, assisting this company over here, and jumped around a lot. And it was a lot of fun. Uh, there was a lot of ups and downs, as there always is in any type of work you do. But at the end of the day, that passion, the spark that's in me has never died and probably will never will die because I do what I do because I highly, absolutely enjoy every waking moment that I do get to work on it, regardless of the time I get to put into it or the time it takes away from my, my amazing family. So I'm a big family person, as you'll learn and over, over the time, of course, this industry doesn't always <laughs> lend well to that. So, uh, but I'm, I'm big into that. So that kind of also lends into the rebranding of Silverback Studios. I have a close love and in like weird, I don't want to say obsession, but I have this wild love for gorillas and silverbacks in general. And I can remember back when I was like two or three years old. Um, the only reason why I remember this is there's a family video that good Lord knows where VHS is. And for all you youngins out there, there was a form of a video device. It was pretty big and you put it into a player um, that don't exist anymore. Um, so good luck finding one. Uh, there's VHS that my dad had filmed when we were at the Columbus Zoo in Ohio of me sitting in a, on a ledge next to a silverback gorilla who's on the other side at the zoo. Of course, when you're at those exhibits, everyone's beating on you know the glass, right? Even though there's that sign like right over here that says, stop hitting the glass. Of course, you know, three years old. What do I care? Boop, boop, boop. I hit the glass three times. And I can tell this story, and I, it, it is literally holds, it literally hits me every time. I hit that glass three times. That silverback turned around. It had no, ignored everyone else. Turned around, looked at me, and my hand was still on the glass. Tapped the glass right where my hand was three times. Tell me those animals aren't smart. I'm just going to throw that out there. Uh, you can't because they're extremely intelligent animals. Um, I have a bond with them. I can go to a zoo and I can literally just sit there like an, a tree and just stare at them. Um, there is some type of bond there. So that's what's caused me to create silverback. They're very powerful animals. And I always refer to myself as a powerful being and first in itself, I will do whatever it takes, like I've said, to get you to the finish line, regardless of what it takes. And um, so that's kind of where I'm at and why Silverback has become what it is today. Awesome. Um, so I'll jump into real quick what I'm doing with cage imaging, but um, we also have a, a company that the two of us are that are that the two of us are involved in with a third partner, and that is Brian Dos Reese. And Brian's going to be a guest, even though he doesn't know yet that he's going to be a guest. He's going to be a guest. Uh, you know, he says he doesn't like to talk, but then if you get on the phone with him, he, he, good luck getting off. Love you, Brian. I that to uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, so I'll dive in just really quickly into 
cage imaging. It's basically just a single person consultancy at this point. So I do marketing consulting. I work with e-commerce brands mostly. Um, but really I've worked with YouTubers. I've worked with, like I said, e-commerce companies. I've worked with, uh, CPG brands. I do a lot of stuff that has to do with the creation and management of video marketing across multiple platforms. So I'll manage anything from Google and YouTube ads to Facebook and Instagram ads. And I'll even go through the creation process of those from a filmmaking perspective. So I'm kind of using all of those talents that I developed from my more traditional marketing path and then combining that with my passion for actually creating elements that have to do with video. Um, I also, in November, became a, a drone operator, which is another piece that I'm adding to that puzzle and is something that we're starting to use a lot with Astronaut, which I'll jump in here in a moment. Um, but just overall, you know, anything from video editing all the way through to uh, the actual creation and management of ads is kind of what I do on the KH side. Um, but to jump into Astronaut, which is kind of a, a new baby for both Steve and myself, as well as Brian, um, we are a full-service production company that is the culmination of all of the skills that Brian, Steve, and myself have, as well as all of the experience that the three of us have culminated. So Brian himself, he's another guy who likes to be humble. He's a, a very, very talented DP who has a, a ton of experience in the music video space in particular, but anything under the sun from commercials to marketing videos, all of the above, he is really a, a special creative when it comes to getting behind that camera and then also a lighting perspective. So between the three of us, we've kind of combined forces knowing that we can now achieve things that the three of us individually would not be able to achieve or we'd have to go out and find teams that we don't necessarily have the relationship that the three of us have to ultimately pull those things off. So the three of us have come together to ultimately kind of change the way that video production is done through the way that we like to work on our relationships with our clients, as well as the quality that we're able to deliver. You know, we, we've we all been in this industry and we all understand the the pitfalls and the issues that occur, you know, from both the client side as well as the production side. So, you know, we're trying to, to use all of our experience and expertise to drive forward what would hopefully be a higher standard than a lot of what is currently out there and allow us to deliver the results that our clients are looking for in a way that many others are not currently doing or frankly just may not be capable of. It's true. I mean, we we work as like a group. Like I'll say, there is a there's like a dominoing effect. We, we kind of share what we're all working on, even though it may be a cage imaging item, we, we will bounce ideas off of each other. Uh, and that's the key. I could hardly believe as a group of people who regardless of our backgrounds at that point, we're coming together to try to make a different image to production. Instead of looking at ourselves as competition, we're utilizing each other as a group. And that's why we came together as one anyway. And it definitely lends in a lot of areas. Uh, I'm not the most experienced when it comes to, we'll say the marketing side, like Kyle is, uh, you know, music videos, 
I'm not going to sit there and say necessarily how it needs to be visually done, uh, but from a producer level, I can oversee the gamut of the project and ensure it meets that, you know, the demand and all aspects are taken care of. And that's what's good is we, we all have these skill sets and trades and abilities to be able to really, truly come together, like Kyle said. And, and that's what why we want to bring this to you is and also bring other people in because we can always learn from others. And if we can continue to lend that offering to everyone else, it's only going to empower you to become a better person in what your craft is. And even if you want to learn something new, and this is one thing I think we all agree on is don't just hold yourself to one skill set. It's always good to build like you just became a drone pilot. And now you drive us clinically insane that you want to have, you know, the whole FPV drone. I'm sure you're going to crash about 20 of them before you get it right, but it's okay. Uh, it's normal. Uh, but the, here's the thing is like, that's a new skill set of yours that you hadn't had prior. Now that you are, ma you're mastering. That is truly showing that you never can stop learning in what you do is hence why we've come together. We're learning from each other. Uh, you know, our, our projects, range from super large scale down to you know small scale stuff and that's the beauty of what we do as three technically three different companies as well as the one company where we all are part of and that's the beauty to that is one our networks so my network is different than say brian's and same as kyle's and those networks help lend each other substantially you know i can reach out to film crews if we need additional crew and so just as well as Brian, as well as Kyle, and it allows us to play up those strong suits. So it's definitely a bond that's, you know, growing and ever growing and will continue as we, you know, push into the future per se. <laughs> yep. And, you know, one of the the most important things that we've kind of been harping on is just the our skill sets are very complementary um, mm -hmm. in terms of Brian is a genius behind the camera, as we mentioned. I've got the drone side. I've got the business side. Steve's got the vast production knowledge, everything from animation all the way through to set design and so on and so forth. So we're quite fortunate to have found people that we, one, get along with. <laughs> we're all good friends yeah. inside of the office and outside of the office. Um, and to have the the skill sets that, that come together and complement each other is definitely something that we're quite excited about but but that's enough about us we won't bore you guys anymore with that um but we'll leave you real quick with kind of what to expect from the show going forward mm -hmm. uh we've kind of alluded to it throughout the entire process here but we're going to bring on select industry guests from multiple mediums so that can include anything from a particular role in production so we'll bring on dps we'll bring on producers we'll bring on directors uh, we'll also even bring on people from the opposite spectrum, so clients that we might have worked with or clients that have utilized video or film in some way to ultimately make their business better. Because our goal, like we said, is to kind of bridge the gap in the knowledge between both sides. We both want to be able to help continue to educate people who share this same love for our craft. But we also want to educate people who don't have that same appreciation for the craft, understand everything that goes into it and try and bring more understanding of how impactful this type of marketing and this type of work can be to anybody's business and help them understand that when it's done right, 
it's a huge ROI because there's a lot of people out there who have had that experience with that big agency that charged them what they thought was an arm and a leg. They delivered one fairly underwhelming video because they didn't ultimately care about it driving results for that client. They just saw a check. They took it. That's obviously not the case with everybody. And we've met plenty of people in this industry who aren't like that. But time and time again, we'll meet with clients. And that happens to be the first thing that comes out of their mouth. They're like, where's all this money going? How is this going to help my business? So we want to try and bridge that gap on both sides. So you're going to see guests from all over the board. And we're really going to try and have these very interesting and unique conversations that aren't being had in other places so that we can ultimately educate everybody and try and bring us into uh, a more positive future into the industry. Mm-hmm. Anything else you want to add in there, Steve, onto on the back end of that? No, I think we, we uh, hit the nail on the head, if that's the phrase we use. Um, yeah. <laughs> There's a joke behind that one that is internal, <laughs> we'll just say. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it, we've definitely hit that nail and I look forward to it just as well as everybody else hopefully is looking forward to the ongoing uh, t- shows and in the guests that we're able to bring on because it's definitely going to bridge that gap. That's our whole goal here. So um, looking forward to it and uh, on to the next. Yep. We'll see you guys in the next episode. Make sure that you uh, follow us on all the platforms. The podcast will be available. Obviously, if you're listening to it currently on whatever platform you're listening to it on, but Apple podcasts, Spotify, we'll be posting clips on social media, LinkedIn, You can find uh, Steve and I on all the social media platforms. So we'll make sure to link all that stuff in the description so you guys can follow Mm -hmm. along on our individual journeys. And you can check out Astronaut. You can check out Cage Imaging. All of those links will be down in the description so you guys can check them out if you're interested. And then if you have anybody in particular that you would like to see on the show, feel free to shoot them uh, their contact information our way. We're open to having all these conversations. Our goal is to post one of these episodes every single week. Um, And we'll try and keep them relatively short right around this 45 minute mark is kind of our goal to ultimately be able to to land those conversations. And yeah, we're hoping to have some unique guests on. So feel free to to reach out if you or someone you know you think is going to be a good fit. And we'll look forward to uh, jumping on the next one with you guys.